So last week was the God of Gideon. This week is the Gideon of God. Let me just pray and then we'll explain what I mean. So Lord, we just come before you tonight and ask for inspiration upon the preaching of the Word. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us tonight to love God even more with our mind, our heart, our soul, our spirit, our strength. Lord, I pray that we would leave this place just having spent a little bit of time hearing your word. I pray that it would incline us to follow you. Incline our hearts to follow you, Jesus. And may this teaching further that end. And we pray, Holy Spirit, come make this alive to our hearts. Lord, I can say words, but I pray you, Holy Spirit, would make them alive to us. Set our hearts on fire tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, once again, I am going to update that title. The notes are online if you're watching on Facebook, but I got to make that update. So it's the Gideon of God. Let's go to the introduction here. The introduction... uh, Basically, just recaps, last week I talked about the nature of God, how he relates to Gideon. If you look at it from like God's perspective looking down, it's a really neat perspective. We, we glean insight from the nature and the character of God when we look at the Gideon story from his perspective, uh, perspective and his leadership, but we're going to reverse it this week. And so this is kind of a two-part mini-series, and we're going to look at the God and Gideon relationship from Gideon's perspective and look at some things that were paramount in Gideon's life in, in, um, in respect to why would God choose Gideon? There were certain things that he saw in this man that, uh, that were the reason why the Lord chose him to use him in this specific time period. So if you kind of want the backstory, that's last week's message. Go online or print those notes off. I share a little bit of the backstory of how we get into the period of the judges and how God relates to Gideon. This week we're just going to dive right into some of the reasons. I mean, there's probably 12 or 15 reasons. I mean, God knows everything, but I want to just highlight some of the main ideas because they're They're practical for our life. When we see why God chooses people in the Bible, we say, I want to do that. I want to be like that. Whether it's Paul or John or Moses or, you know, the prophet Isaiah, we see themes. But the Gideon story is so unique because it so highlights the weak, broken, least of all theme God chooses the least, the weakest, the most broken, the most difficult past. And He uses those people. And it's just so apparent in the story that it's like we've got to look at that. We can never forget the, the God of Gideon who chooses the weak and the least. And yet in saying that, Gideon, though he says, I'm the, I'm the least of my uh, clan and my family's so weak and I'm the least of them and yet he had a spirit of obedience and so we're going to see how important that is tonight. 
When the God of Gideon, this is letter B, meets a Gideon of God, and that can be male or female. It's not like just because Gideon's a male, it only applies to men. These truths apply to men and women, obviously. But when, when the God of Gideon sees a Gideon, and God calls a Gideon, and Gideon says yes, then we have someone who is chosen. Some people make it so complicated. Basically, the Lord says, I want to use you. And the person says, I want you to use me. And I'll obey you. The Lord says, that is a chosen person right there. God calls many to His purposes, but a lot don't say yes. They say, well, I kind of want more money, and I want a bunch of boats and houses, and I want a little bit of this and that. And the Lord says, well, I, I didn't call you to that. I'm calling you over here. Yeah, but people won't like me and all that. Yeah, I just kind of want to be liked and a little more money and you know have a second home or a third home. And if the Lord calls you to that, do it. But the point of the matter is, is when we obey, God says that is a chosen vessel of mine. It's not super complicated. The Lord indicates a direction and we say, I don't fully understand, but I'm going to do it. That person is what when Jesus said many are called, few are chosen, it's that very same fact. God throws out an invite to so many people to serve Him, and yet many say, well, Lord, I, I just bought land, or Lord, I just this, I got a business, or I, I got a family, I can't. And so they, it's described in the parables as people make excuses. Now this isn't, you know, the Lord calls some people to be businessmen and women. He calls others to be missionaries and pastors. It's not anyone's business to tell you what God called you to do. It's the business of a, of a leader or a shepherd or a pastor to say, obey God. <laughs> Whether he calls you to do this or that, that's between you and the Lord. I mean, some people are called to make billions of dollars investing. Others are called to go and serve in missions. And so whatever he says, do that. I love the story uh, when Jesus turns the water to wine. When the servants at the wedding came up to Jesus' mom, Mary, Mary says, whatever he says, do it. And I think that is like the all-time wisest statement in the Bible. It's like, whatever he says, just do that. That's the most spiritual you can do. And so... Again, the reason I'm sharing this mini-series, just to understand the character of God in calling us, and, and with that, the importance, we have a yes we have to say in our heart and with our feet. If the Lord says, do X, Y, Z, we have to do X, Y, Z. There's, there's no, like, make-believe obedience. I mean, if He says, just be this or, or you know whatever enter in teacher or pastor or whatever just do that with all your heart and and most people complicate it and they say well the lord never no you do what you know to do as much as you can and in the journey he'll clarify it you know someone gets saved and they expect like a year after that they're going to have complete understanding of their life that's not how it works we do everything we know we're supposed to do based on how we understand the Bible, and we just keep doing that. We're faithful in our job. We're faithful to our family. And every few years, he just gives a little, like, hey, shift over here, or do this over there, and we just say yes. 
And it often involves risks and taking you know, risks and go, well, it wasn't quite it. It's actually more over here and that's all part of it. So let's go down to number two. What made Gideon stand out to God when God, it says, he looks throughout all the earth in Second Chronicles seeking who will be loyal to him? As the Lord scans the earth, even today, he's looking for certain qualities And he found Gideon. He saw that Gideon had certain qualities. The interesting thing is Gideon didn't know he had those qualities until God began to talk to him about it. Often, God begins to communicate with us beforehand because we would never connect. I would never have connected to House of Prayer if the Lord wasn't well in advance saying, your life's going to go that direction. Many, many times that you cannot manufacture, the Lord indicated, you will lead a house of prayer one day, you will teach the Bible, you will pray, it will be your life. I mean, 20 years ago. And just sprinkled throughout that. And and not because that's the ultimate thing to do, that's just what He has for me. And He has things for you as well. But what made Gideon stand out to God? We're going to look at three things tonight. Just three. First of all, Gideon did not allow a lack of clarity to keep him from being obedient to the call of God. I'm going to make sure that we have... I did that. Okay, that's good to know. Now about the time that Gideon was called of the Lord to go lead Israel to fight back against the Midianites who had invaded the land. We know the story in Judges 6, starts in 6.12. It says, The angel of the Lord appears. says, The Lord is with you, Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a brave man. Gideon says, Lord, if you're with us, why is all this happening? If you're with us, Where are the miracles we've heard about in the past? If you're with us, I mean, didn't you bring us out of Egypt? Why are we being attacked by the Midianites? There were so many questions that Gideon had, and many of them were not answered. What's interesting, what does God say to all of Gideon's questions? God just says, go. You're going to have all kinds of questions and you're never going to get all the answers in this life. But here's what you need to do. Verse 14. Go in this might of yours. I've given you a mighty spirit. I've called you. Not going to give you all the answers. But what I am going to give you is a commission. Go. Go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? Lord, how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest. I'm the least. Verse 16, I will be with you, Gideon. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have perfect theology. I mean, it's good to have good theology. But what's most important right now than all the questions that are in the world about this pandemic and when's this going to happen? When's it going to be back to normal? Are we ever going to have this or that? God just says, Gideon and people like him, just go and do the will of God. That's most important right now. Know that I'm with you, and that's the biggest answer to the question. 
In fact, what's interesting, Jesus said the same things to his disciples. And, and the reason why it sounds similar is because it was the same person. The angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. He appeared throughout the Old Testament, and it is my conviction, and it's the conviction of many conservative scholars, that the angel of the Lord is in fact the second person of the Trinity before he came physically to the earth. There's a lot of similarities between the ministry of the angel of the Lord and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so what he commissioned Gideon to do is almost exactly what he says to his disciples. I'm leaving right now, but I'm commissioning you to make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations. I'll be with you to the end of the age. That's all you got to know. Do the will of God. I will be with you. Gideon didn't allow a lack of clarity to keep him from obedience to the call of God. So many today, they bow out because they don't have 100% understanding. It's never going to happen. We're never going to know why that person died or why that tragic thing happened. There's so much difficulty in the world and we won't know until we step through those gates and see God face to face. There's so much painful stuff we go through. There's so many setbacks. Paul used the term, I'm perplexed, but not in despair. Even the Apostle Paul said, I'm perplexed. I mean, I look at that statement that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 4.8. Guys, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm thinking, Paul, you have the greatest insight in church history. You wrote Romans. You wrote Ephesians. How are you perplexed? Paul says, I'm not ashamed to say I'm perplexed. I don't have any idea what God's doing sometimes. And so we shouldn't be ashamed either. In fact, I would say this, the people that are always certain, you need to be suspect of them. Because nobody, not even the Apostle Paul, even Jesus said, the Father hasn't revealed certain things to me when Jesus was on the earth. There are so many things we're just never going to know, but what we can know is that God's with us and He's commissioned our life. You do have a calling. There will will be growing clarity as you say yes every day. And so don't don't just go, I don't get get what's going on. I'm just going to take five years off. It's not worth it. I didn't get my answer. I've, I've asked the Lord many questions. Some of them He's answered dramatically. Others, I have no idea. We throw up the questions. Sometimes they come down, sometimes they don't. But we, like Paul, we say, okay, I'm a little perplexed. Don't fully have all the answers. But I'm not going to despair, meaning I'm not going to just quit and give up. Jesus said in Luke 18.1, He taught a parable that men would always pray and not lose heart. Not quit, in other words. Always pray, never quit. That's what God looks for. Someone who will go and do the will of God even when there's uncertainty. Let's go down to number two. What's the second quality that Gideon had? He had faith. Gideon had faith. It seems like it could go without saying. But Gideon had a lot of things. He didn't have the the best 
hand dealt to him, is how I would say that. He had a very, I don't know the best way to say it, he, he didn't come from the most affluent family. In fact, he came from, you know, when he says to the Lord, uh, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm the weakest in Manasseh, my clan is the weakest, and my and I'm the least of my father's house, what he's saying in our lingo today is, my family is nowhere on the grid of elite. <laughs> we are the lowest of society. I mean, in many cultures, they would never get a fair shake. But in God's culture, in God's kingdom, those are the people He uses. And so Gideon's He's got this really, at the highest you could consider, very modest origin. And he's weak and his family's, you know, not, not a lot of notoriety. I mean, they're not like big political movers and shakers. They're just, you know, regular folk. But here's the thing. Though that was true of Gideon, he did not let that define God. See, a lot of people think, well, I'm poor, God must be poor. I'm little, so God must be little. My life hasn't worked out, so God must not work out. They, they equate themselves and their situation with God. Gideon was different. He says, I know I'm the least and I'm the weakest, but I still believe God is mighty and He's big, and I know He's the type of God who uses people like me. And so he had this spirit of faith. He believed God wanted to confirm and reaffirm the calling on his life. He believed. He did not allow his circumstances to to get him into unbelief. He just believed God's almighty God. He's big. And so he just had, though he was of these humble origins... He had this towering theology. He had great faith. And that's so important because sometimes we just get used to lack that we think God lacks. And it's all a test. God is infinitely wise, has infinite resource, He has infinite love. He's just so big. And so I say all that because people don't pray like Gideon if they think God's little. When we get down to the Judges 6, 36-40, Gideon knows that he's called. He's sensing that it's now. And so he does what only people with faith do. He says, okay, God, if this is really you, confirm it. And not just once, but twice. Well, Gideon, I don't know if you can do that. Yes, you can. God's good. He wants to confirm my life. He wants to even reaffirm the calling of God on my life. He's not petty. He's not little. He's not bothered by questions. What's the worst that can happen? He can just not answer or say no. But because Gideon had faith, he throws out what we call a fleece. And the Lord, interestingly, I mean, he gets the one fleece and it was yes. And then, and then Gideon has the boldness to go, I'm going to do it again. 
And God, it was such so. And that part of the story is uh, in 36 to 40. Now, literally, a fleece is just a, a patch of wool. A fleece of wool is really what it is. And the whole test was God. If you want me to truly lead Israel against the Midianites, I'm going to put this fleece of wool on the ground, and in the morning it's going to be really wet, and it's going to be dry all around it. It was this really random request, but God honored it. In the morning it was drenched and dry all around it. And then that night he says, okay, that's a good confirmation, but I really, 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 really for sure want to make sure. So just do the opposite. And if if you do the opposite, I know I'm your man. And so that night, the fleece was dry, but it was wet all around the fleece. And so he wakes up in the morning and he's like, Holy Moses, this is real. I don't know if he said that, but that's what I would have said. So he, he knew that he knew that he knew. You can't manipulate that. This is secret between me and God, and it happened twice. And so I guess I really am called to lead, even though I'm weak and least, and I have fear of man issues, and I'm timid. You know, this is what Gideon's thinking. We know that. You know, earlier on in the chapter, Gideon, it says, he took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it at night. That's the kind of guy Gideon is. Okay, Lord, you asked me to do something, but I'm afraid of everyone's. I'll do it at night. No one will notice. That's the kind of guy God says that's perfect. I see the courage in you, though you have struggles right now. God begins to draw that out. Oh, you want confirmation? I'll give you two confirmations. And so, friends, we can do that. We don't serve a small, honorary, cantankerous, petty God. We serve a good Father. He's a real good father. Now I want to make a personal note. God is not obligated to give us multiple confirmations. But he might. And so why not ask? I mean, don't don't trivialize it, is what I tell people. Because some people say, well, I'm going to throw out a fleece. What should I have for breakfast, Lord? If a bird flies by, I'll have Wheaties. And if a bird doesn't fly by, I'll have pancakes. No, no. No, no, that is not, not at all what we're getting. No, no, no. This is like major life decision stuff, okay? The Lord sometimes really honors it, and He really honors it even more if we have a track record of obedience. I mean, if, if we're always disobeying, and then we're like, well, Lord, I'll really obey this. And the Lord says, no, you won't. No matter what I say, so we have to have a track record. But in saying that, Maybe this time, that track, that track record begins to get on the right direction. So, throw it out there, but, but don't trivialize it like, Lord, you know, Apple Jacks or Wheaties, send a bird, or, you know, it can get so... I've heard so many weird things. I asked the Lord, what should I wear today? I, I wouldn't do that every day because the Lord really honors just you making routine decisions. And you know what? He does answer the craziest stuff. But really, He just wants you to make many of these routine decisions. And the big ones, He says, okay, I get it. That's a big decision. Let's, let's inquire of the Lord. Seek me on it. Throw out a thing. 
And so I just caution people not to get trivial with it. And if the Lord truly confirms it supernaturally, you're on the hook. I mean, it's not like, you know, and I'm going to share a personal story. When I was leaving CAT, because the Lord, I mean, I've never before and never since experienced a season so supernatural where the, the Lord made it clear He was moving me from the corporate world to lead this house of prayer. It was so many signs. And it just so perplexed me. And it still does. But I threw out a number of fleeces. I'm like, God, I don't want to just ruin my family by some, I think this is the Lord. I really want to know. And so one of the main fleeces I put before the Lord was, God, if you're in this, just give me a building. And then I'll know for sure it's you. And I honestly thought that bought me like years. Because I could always think, well, if he didn't give me a building, it wasn't the Lord. I mean, the Lord was highlighting Full-time, leave your job, start house of prayer. Like, that's what he was emphasizing in very supernatural ways. And so I just was caught. I couldn't not do it. But then I was like, all right, I'm, I'll do it if you're serious. But if you're serious, you've got to give me a building. And it was probably a week, maybe less, someone randomly who I had not talked to. I, I told nobody that I threw this fleece out. Not a soul, not my wife, me and God only. Someone contacts me within a week and says, I don't even know if you're thinking this. If you're thinking about house of prayer, I've got a building. I'll I'll let you use this upper room for free. When that correspondence got to me, I kind of had a little heart murmur. You know, I was like, oh, that's serious, Lord. Then we move in and the bottom opens up and he says, I'll give you that for a really reduced rate. Now you got the whole building. And so we've been here, this is six to seven years now. And I just know the Lord smiles over this place. The prayers that are arising day after day, night after night here, are shifting things. They really are. Our little prayer gatherings are like, it's like, it's like a wrestling match between the stronghold over this city. Our prayers like teamed up with all the other prayers are helping bring down some of the main strongholds in our region. And the Lord has us here like a Gideon army. And I'm going to get into more details, but it's small and it looks weak and it looks least, but it's genuine from the Lord and it's shifting realities. Our enemy isn't people like in the Old Testament, they fought literal wars. Our enemy is the demonic realm powers and principalities and demonic strong men and strongholds that as we pray and worship angels are released and those demonic influences diminish and the gospel breaks forth more powerfully it's real and i just love thinking that so i threw out that fleece i don't throw out fleeces every year or even every 10 years but that was so major to me i'm like i need major backup like confirmation and the lord did it So Gideon didn't allow a lack of clarity to keep him from the call. He had faith. He asked for confirmation, knowing God would do it. And third, he was willing to trust God. Even though following God means what? Unconventional guidance. 
God is unlike any other leader. He says, oh, you've got an army of 15,000 coming against you and you've got 30,000? I don't need 30,000, I just need 300. Are you good with that? That was the word of the Lord to Gideon. Oh, you've got an army over here that's... So in the natural, your 30,000 would defeat 15,000. But in God's economy, nope, that that would mean that you would think you did it, not with my help. And so whittle that army down to 300. And I want that 300 to come against the 15,000 because 300 plus God equals a majority over the 15,000 and you'll know I was in it. And so that's the unconventional. There are things God will lead us into that make no sense. Friends, me doing this is my job makes absolutely no sense in the natural. I mean, the financially, career-wise, so many factors, if you just look on paper in the natural, no sense at all. But in the wisdom of God, we'll find out one day the prayers that are arising, touching people all over the world, Things that just would not have happened if we didn't pray. I just got a message a couple weeks ago from a from a, a, a sister in Canada. She says, I've been listening to your messages, your podcasts that you put out. Because once we finish these, we put them on the website. Keith posts them on the uh, website and then they go to Apple Podcast. Someone from another country. And I've, you know, over the years, someone from some random country will be like, I heard that message, unbelievable, I taught it to my discipleship group. And I'm like, oh my word. Little bit of obedience, the weakest possible yes, slowly beginning to touch various parts of the world. And the same thing, you just say yes, even when it involves risk, and the word of the Lord comes to you, it just is like, what, 300 verse 15,000? But Gideon was the type of person that says, yeah, that's the word of the Lord. That makes sense. Most leaders on planet earth would go 300 verse 15,000. That's not God. But a Gideon, a person with faith, a person concerned about the glory of Christ would go, that's perfect. Because we know that if God's with us, our 300 might as well be 300 million. There's no chance they're going to win. In fact... In the history of Israelite warfare, to this very day, Israel's really good at war. (laughs) They seem to have this extra element of like gods with them. In fact, the most pronounced is what's called the Six-Day War. You got to study the Six-Day War when Israel routed, I mean just decimated like five countries in less than one week. And you just, this happened in like 67, or I can't remember exactly when. It's called the Six-Day War. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's a supernatural miracle. And you just don't beat a country, or let alone multiple countries, in a week. (laughs) You just don't do that. God loves His people, Israel. And He loves His Gideons, who will go, you know, it makes no sense, but I'm going to follow Jesus into it. And maybe there's going to be things that in the days ahead the Lord will ask you to do. It might not make sense to your friends or your family or your co-workers or even to you. 
but the Lord's saying to do it, and so you do it. Of course, it will align with Scripture. Of course, get counsel, you know, weigh options, take risks, ask for confirmation. But at the end of the day, if it's the Lord, do it. You know, I don't want to get to heaven and find out I could have obeyed and it would, you know, so much would I just want to, I want to know that I know I'm doing what God asked, whether it's a big or a little. You know, I think of Gideon. It might have hurt his pride a little bit because on the outside looking in, it looked like he was a failed leader. He had this mighty army of 30,000 warriors. And the Lord says, nope, I, I just want 300. But Lord, that would look bigger and better and you would impress people. 300 is like this little thing. I don't want 300. Gideon didn't think like that. You know, so much today is like, okay, the mega churches, they must be doing something, but the little prayer room must not. No, it has nothing to do with numbers. The God of Gideon sees numbers differently than anybody else. He sees numbers differently. We value followers and we value hits and likes and all these things. And the Lord says, no, none of that really matters. What matters is, do you have me? Are you listening to what I'm saying, even if it's unconventional? So just a few concluding thoughts. Will you be a Gideon of God? Again, not male or female, but will you be like a Gideon? If God sees fit to interrupt your life to lead a strategic purpose, will you obey Him? Maybe it's for a season. Maybe it's a new calling. Maybe, who knows? Will you obey? I mean, the Lord does ask some people, take six months and do a strategic prayer thing for six months, then go back to what you were doing before. Or go do a mission over there for three months, then come back and do your thing. Are you willing, whether it's part or full time, to let the Lord interrupt? Will you obey Him in that? Will you obey even when you're perplexed and there's despair in the camp? A lot of pastors and leaders right now, a lot of Christians, they're in despair. When's it going to get back to normal? I just want normal life. And even though that's happening all over, will you be someone who says, I'm perplexed too, but I'm not quitting. Definitely not going to give up. If he sees fit to confirm your calling, will you be all the more sure to lead God's people, whether it's big or whether it's small? Jesus had 12. Then it got to 70. Then it got way bigger, and then at the cross, it was back to 12 again, and even those 12 guys were shaky. Whether it's small or big, will you do it? And will you allow him to lead you with unconventional wisdom, which includes risk-taking? Because those are the ones God is looking for in this hour. The God of Gideon is looking for Gideons of God. Amen? Amen. Let me say a prayer for us. Father, we thank you for your word. And I just simply pray this evening, on this beautiful Friday evening, Lord, we just ask, would you make us like these Gideons? God, would you give us that yes in our spirit, even when we don't have all the answers? Would you give us great faith that asks big things of God, even multiple confirmations, and the strength to walk it out? when you say yes. And Father, would you help us to trust your leadership even when things are not making sense and the guidance is all but conventional. 
Help us tonight, Father. We pray, encourage each heart that is in this room and those who've tuned in to Facebook Live and those who will hear this on the recording. Let your word refresh them and impart grace into their heart for the next leg of the journey into the weeks and months and years ahead. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.